Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm here today with your favorite podcast guest and our founder, Matthew Gold. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you for joining me again. Very happy to be here. Matt, today I want to talk to you about something that has actually been top of mind for me in the last week, ever since I went to Masari Mainnet and you know had some conversations on this topic, and it's about privacy. I actually last week put out a tweet that said all blockchain transactions should be private by default, since right now they're all public by default. And I was just thinking, like, why do I want everybody knowing how much money I have in my wallet and what NFTs I'm buying and how I'm spending my money? It just feels so invasive. And so I put out that tweet, and it, it was kind of controversial. I got you know, a lot of hate on it. I got some supporters, but it seemed to me like people feel very strongly one way or the other on this topic. And so I wanted to talk to you about it and get your take on it. So I guess to start off, you know, just going back to that tweet, uh, some of the responses I got from it on the hater side is blockchain is supposed to be open and transparent by default. Like this is the whole ethos of blockchain technology. So why would we privatize it? And then on the other side, you know, I've got linked to this cypherpunks manifesto. That side of the argument says it's against the ethos to keep everything open and that actually we should really value privacy. So on that note, Matt, (laughs) wherever you want to begin with this, I'd love to get your thoughts. Yeah. Well, I think it should be no surprise, but I am a big believer in privacy for individuals. And that for individuals is important. We'll get to that in a second. But I also just want to point out that people have thought a lot about privacy and it has been determined to be a fundamental human right, even by the UN. And these people, that's all they do is sit around about and think about these topics. There's a reason for that. Like you may not think that you need or want privacy, you know, it's a slippery slope, uh, just like with with everything having to do with the public sector and governments and other people being able to look into your life. You know, okay, you lose a little bit of privacy, no big deal. You lose a little bit more. And then before you know it, you've got nothing left. And that's why people who think about this deeply have determined that this is just one of those rights uh, that's important for us to protect as a society. So now let's go for individuals, right? I put that little caveat at the end there. And it's like, why do I say that privacy is important for individuals? Well, I can think of some things that I actually don't want to be that private, like my government, right? So like I would very much like for every transaction the government ever does uh, to be public on the blockchain, right? It's our money. It's our taxpayer money that we're using to pay for things. Uh, You know, where did that $4 trillion go that we spent on Afghanistan? And who got paid what? And this is public sector money. And having sunlight in these areas would actually help us have a lot more transparency and and ultimately better governance. And so what's the difference there? Well, for individuals, I think you have an absolute right to privacy. Like if you want to have your data and you want to encrypt it, you don't want anyone else to see it. That's 100% your choice, just like your mind, right? Like the thoughts that you have in your head, if you want, you can keep them to yourself. I think that's 
you should have that right. Governments, I, on the other end of the spectrum, I would love it if it was completely public. And I think if people saw the crazy things that governments are spending money on, they would be even more upset. And, but hopefully we could, you know, imagine if all these government transactions on the, you know, for the city of uh, San Francisco or wherever you live, you could actually see where they're spending it all. Uh, and people could go out there and just look and then they could say, hey, why did we, why did we do that? I think it would really improve the situation. And then there's a middle ground, right? And the middle ground, I think, is businesses. So, the, you know, they're likely somewhere between, you know, governments should be 100% transparent because they're public entities. Individuals, I think, should have the right to have complete uh, protection. And then businesses, right? Well, they have some public sector impact. Uh, and then they also have some individual rights. Like if you have, if you have some sort of proprietary information for your business, whether that's the secret formula for Coca-Cola or an algorithm you use for trading, yeah, you need to be able to keep that private. And you wouldn't want people to be able to figure that out by looking at the IP on chain, right? Um, but if you maybe are doing something that's impacting a lot of people publicly, for instance, Facebook just recently was discovered to have a lot of data that they found out Oh, by the way, uh, Instagram and Facebook is really bad for teenagers' mental health, right? And like that type of data is probably really in everyone's interest, especially on social networks, which are community goods, to be public. And so that's that's why I think people argue. Usually, when there's heated debates on either side, uh, it's because there's you know gradations of these things, and you need to figure out where you fit on that spectrum. But that's my personal view on privacy, and I think it's you know uh, that's my pragmatic way of taking a look at it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think you know I, I probably should have clarified in my original tweet what I was talking about with individuals or governments or businesses because I, I do think uh, different things apply to each of those different types of individuals or entities. And so I, I, I guess with that intro out of the way, we should probably take a step back actually and talk about what do we even mean by public versus private data. Um, and then there's sort of this middle ground as well, which you know we call permissioned data. And so when we think about like different types of data, public data, private data, um, and what kind of data we want to be public and want to be private or want to be permissioned, how do you think about that? And maybe start with defining for us, like how, w when you're talking about public versus private versus permission data, w what are you even talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the reason why people in crypto think about this a lot is because blockchain transactions on a lot of networks like Bitcoin are public. Like you can look at the Bitcoin network, you can see every transaction that's ever happened ever. And if you have good software, you can figure out where the money goes. That's why there's a conversation around this in the crypto space. And what's happened since then is technology has advanced. So there are now uh, blockchain networks that are private by default. So like you can't inspect it at all. So they're completely private blockchains and which, you know, or I should say much higher levels of privacy than what we had uh, previously. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you also have these uh uh, enterprise blockchain components, which are meant to be completely transparent, even more transparent than than Bitcoin, which actually have people who like have to KYC to participate in the blockchain itself. Um, so we've had an explosion in the different levels of choice that you have with uh, privacy in the crypto sectors. That's why everyone's interested. And then if you want to talk about data, so I've got a couple of 
different like high level categories here. So you have just public data. And so this would be something that you don't mind publishing anywhere. And so a really good example of that is your blockchain domain, right? So like I'm matt.crypto. And the more people that know that I'm matt.crypto, the better, right? Because it's easier for people to reach out and, uh, you know, send me money. And that's, you know, that's great for me, at least at this point. And it's just like phone numbers used to be a thing where you would share them out to all your friends. And then uh, that, you know, that you still do that now so that they can easily contact you. So the more people that know your phone number, the better. Uh, that's a little bit different now because there's so many spam calls. So <laughs> maybe there's a little trade-off there where you'd want to have more of a private phone number uh, that wasn't always out. So that's public data. And you know, there's good reasons why you'd want that uh, to be public. So people can know where to contact you primarily, um, like your email address or what have you. So then, then you have private data. Uh, and private data, a good example of this would be like your healthcare records, right? And this is like personal private data. You want to keep this you want to keep this to yourself. I mean, maybe I guess healthcare records you'd want to share with your doctors, but maybe you have some other private data like uh, your personal beliefs or, uh, you know, your journal, something like this that you just want to keep to yourself. Um, this is the type of thing that you'd probably want to keep entirely encrypted. And then you have this third bucket, which is permissioned data. But another way of thinking about it is just shared private data. It's like private data that you have that you would want to share. So actually healthcare records would fit in here better. So I have like a private set of data, but I actually do want to share that with my doctor, right? So those are kind of the boxes I put in like completely public. And it's like my, you know, blockchain domain, Matt.crypto. The more people that know it, the better. Uh, completely private, my personal journal. I see no reason to share that with anybody ever. And then um, shared private data. And that can be things like healthcare records. Got it. So I think where there might be some confusion uh, coming up is when we combine certain elements of public versus private or even shared private information. So say, you know, you've got uh, Matt.crypto and you want that out everywhere. You want everybody to know, like, that's how to contact you. But then say you want to link some other things to Matt.crypto. Say you want to link your Twitter account. You're like, yeah, I want people to know my Twitter. I want people to be able to contact me through my Twitter. It's better than linking my phone number or my email address. It's you know a little less personal. But then let's say something happens down the road and you decide to go private on Twitter or to go anon on Twitter because maybe people find out who, what your identity is and you say something that they don't like. Maybe you say something on this podcast that they don't like, that they really don't like, and they want to come after you. This isn't far-fetched at all. Like we've seen this happen. This is why a lot of people in crypto are anon. Uh, so then, you know, you no longer want your Twitter to be public, but you've already linked it on the blockchain to your .crypto address. And so at that point, you know, I, I think this is like where I can see some troubles brewing in the long term is things that we don't mind having public today that we might want to privatize in the future. Does does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And so uh, my immediate first thought as a engineer to that question is proxies, right? And so what do I mean by that is you want to have something in the middle so that you're able to share public information about yourself like uh, Matt.crypto and, and then people can look that up in order to get like, let's say a Bitcoin address, but you, but you maybe want to have some way to like rotate it, right? So that, so that every time it gets checked, it's showing a different endpoint. And this way someone can't just look up your uh, domain name and then know your, uh, all your transaction history for forever. Cause if they look on chain, they're not going to see it because every transaction will have its own separate piece of information. So there's different ways of achieving that. Uh, and the easiest way to achieve it for, like any type of generalized data is you it's called a proxy you have something in the middle and then that thing in the middle uh can 
do that necessary obfuscation for you. And what's interesting here is that you actually have smart contract proxies. So, and these are very basic right now, but they're starting to happen. And and what I mean by that is there are ways for you to be able to uh, like rotate your cryptocurrency address every time. And this is done 100% uh, on chain. And there's a couple companies that do that. We'll talk about it maybe one or two later. That actually gives you enhanced privacy while still keeping your public data. But the problem that you're talking about is real. Like the, the, the idea where like I have public data about myself, but I want to be able to obfuscate it at some point in the future. So how do I have like public data that's not permanently attached to who I am so that I'm leaving uh, you know data exhaust? So in, in the industry, that's what this is called. It's actually called exhaust for their data exhaust. And you, like you go around in your browser and you look at a bunch of different you know pages. And unfortunately, as you're going along clicking through things, your ISP is collecting information about you. These ad trackers are collecting information. And so by the time you get to the 10th website, they know how old you are, uh, what gender you are, what your spending habits are, and uh, you know what you like and dislike. And you've only clicked through 10 web pages. And that's not great because what you would really like is the ability at any point in time to reset or maybe just reset by default as you travel through um, so that people aren't tracking that type of information. So that technology, unfortunately, is hard. Uh, it does exist. I mean, we'll see that be implemented, I think, on the most important issues for for privacy in the nearer term. And some of those things would be like, uh, you know, cryptocurrency address rotation, because people are concerned about having data collected to them about their financial uh, habits. So walk us through, you know, for people may maybe who are newer to the space that are listening, walk us through like what blockchain transactions look like at the moment in terms of how public or private they are, and then how you expect to see that shift over time and where you hope that will end up in the long term. Okay. In the long term, because it's the easiest one, I would hope that you as the sender and or recipient will be able to choose exactly how much information you would like to disclose on every transaction that you do. So you'll just have complete autonomy on choosing uh, and disclosing your information. Now, as I said earlier, organizations like governments, I would love for them to be limited so that they're not that they have to publish publicly, right? So that maybe the rules for them they have to public uh, publish publicly, and then you know rules around some of these businesses they're going to fit in the middle somewhere. But for individuals, I think you should just be able to you know have the toggle and you can choose exactly how far you want to go any of those directions. Currently, so you're asking like what's the state currently? I would say that the state currently is a lot of things are public uh, by default especially on like Bitcoin blockchain is the, is the best example of that. There are tools for obfuscation. There are ways to uh, make it harder to be tracked, even on uh, networks like Bitcoin. However, some of the networks like Bitcoin, no matter how hard you try to hide information about yourself, are still subject to uh, network analysis. Like you can do some analytics on them to figure it out, even if the person is trying to hide. There's good and bad to that right now for Bitcoin. Uh, and I'll give you an example that actually just happened this past week. Someone sent a mining transaction. Actually, it was on Ethereum. Uh, it's another one. They sent a mining transaction. They paid a $26 million fee for mining, and it was an exchange. And it was obviously a mistake. Well, because everything's on chain, they could figure out who the miner is. And they were able to contact them. And the miner sent the money back, right? Because it's obviously a mistake. Um, and But you got to ask yourself, it was completely anonymous. Would the miner send the money back, right? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they'd keep the $26 million. So there's an example of maybe a part of the blockchain ecosystem where you'd want to be uh, more 
public. Like the the uh, the validators would be a good example. Maybe that's a set of people where you want them to be a little bit more public in case a giant mistake happens like that, uh, $26 million mistake. So, but right now all of these networks by default are generally, you can, you can analyze them to find things. There are tools that are emerging to help you obfuscate and keep your privacy as an individual. And those tools are not very good yet. I would say there are zero consumer tools for that now. Uh, and all the tools for that are very black and white. Like those tools are like, you, you uh, have to be 100% private and there's no way whatsoever, you know, there's no dial on that spectrum for anything. And that creates compliance issues, right, for a bunch of different countries. I think there's a great business idea for anyone out there who's really into encryption to work on uh, privacy protocols for uh, blockchains and they can be applications. And there's some really good opportunities here to build an app that would have um, would have controls in for privacy uh, that would be compliant. And that would be take a lot of work to do that. But I'll just give you one example it would be cryptocurrency trading. There's a lot of hedge funds that trade money on these decentralized protocols and they probably want to shield their transactions. And uh, there's people that do this already by paying miners uh, directly in order to get like their transactions in in a certain way so that people can't figure out it's them until the block has already been mined so that they don't get front run. And there's a completely uh, legitimate business case for building a privacy protocol to enable people to do things like that. Uh, and there's a lot of businesses that simply cannot exist without privacy uh, on chain. And these problems need to be uh, solved. So current state is you can try to hide, right? Uh, if someone wants to find you, they probably will because they can do analysis on these blockchains. And then there are a few protocols that are available to get complete privacy. But unfortunately, those protocols uh, don't have the ability to service everyone because they have not invested in building out the compliance tools necessary in certain regions, which I which I think is you know a huge business opportunity for entrepreneurs in the space. Okay, got it. So that's the state of the current climate. And then ultimately, where do we want to end up? And what, a specific question I have to lead into that is, you mentioned, you know, like, ideally, we'd be able to toggle between public or private. What will this look like? Like, I, in your ideal world, will what we deem to be public data be public by default? And then you can toggle to private if you want. If it's deemed to be private data, it's set to private by default, and you can toggle to public. Or do you not think that, you know, as a society, we can ever agree on what should be public data, what should be private data, um, what should be, you know, permission data. And so everything will just be, you know, either public or hopefully private by default. And you can toggle to public if you want people to see it. I think we're going to have a huge mix. And I think that like every different region of the world is going to have their own version of what they think should work for privacy and compliance. Uh, and I think that there's going to be a lot of companies that build a lot of different apps that make this easy for you. As far as the user, when the user goes to send a transaction, I think that the difference between sending a public transaction and a private transaction will probably be cost. In some cases, it's kind of funny, but in some cases, it'll actually be cheaper to send a private transaction, right? And then in some cases, it will be che cheaper to send a public transaction, uh, and you will choose which way you want to go with it. And so it's just going to be a matter of like, how private do you want to be? Are you willing to pay for these additional services on top to maintain privacy? And then we, we need to see these services get built on top that will uh, be compliant in the area that, that you're uh, working in. And ultimately, these are all going to roll back to social consensus. And it's like, you know, what do people think in that area? Like, what are people voting for? And, you know, we live in a society. So what do we agree to as a society that we want to do? The interesting thing about blockchain networks, though, is that they are global. So it's also very possible that 
a couple of regions of the world, you know, like banking centers like Switzerland or something may just determine that they want to have a completely private central bank digital currency, right? And so like maybe they launch a completely private central bank digital currency. I know that seems far-fetched, but maybe a country decides to do that because they want to have a very strong stand on human rights. And that could just become the de facto uh, currency for people who care 100% about privacy. And because it's global, they really uh, would be difficult to, they would try to regulate that out of existence, but there would at least be uh, a couple jurisdictions in the world. So I would say for the people who are very pro-privacy, that the good news is it only takes uh, a couple of really engaged uh, communities to make that happen. And then for the people who are very anti-privacy, I would just say that like most people for the majority of the things that they want to do in their life are going to be okay with being public, especially if it's cheaper to publish it. So there's a lot of data people don't care about. Um, and I don't think that the people who want more public information to be available are going to be, uh, they're not going to run out of data anytime soon. And I think everyone can reach agreement on uh, ensuring that our governments, right, and our like uh, public goods are more public. I think everyone agrees, even people who are in privacy. So I think there's some areas where we'll get agreement too. Yeah. And then for people who are more concerned about privacy at the moment, is there anything that people should be watching out for when they're interacting with dApps and connecting their wallet to things and performing certain actions like right now? And then maybe as we move forward and there are more dApps that are being built out and more things that you can do on chain, are there like certain things that people should be looking out for, like people who are really concerned about privacy and don't want to you know, do anything that's going to put any data that they don't want to be public, like on a public ledger for everybody to see forever. So there are best security practices that you can follow. And there's some things that you can read online to get you there as well. But one that I like to highlight that I think a lot of people don't practice, but is actually very easy to remember and very practical. And that is change out your, uh, your handles or whatever it is that you're doing on a regular basis. Like, so every, you just literally set a notice on your calendar and every six months you just go in, you know, once every six months and you're like, okay, I'm going to switch my, you know, update all of my accounts and, you know, move over to a new set of private keys. And you just do that on a cadence. And that is security best practice uh, for every major company on the entire planet. Like if you try to go through any of these compliance procedures, they want to know that you have key rotation. It's literally one of the key things that they do. This is why two-factor is effective. It's a new code every time you get in. So what does that mean for you practically? Like if you have a MetaMask account, I know it's annoying to create a new address, right? <laughs> right? Like I agree with you. It's annoying to create a new address. Um, and it would be really annoying. You know, it's annoying to do it every single time because you end up with like 800 addresses in your, in your account. And there's not really good software for aggregating that and making that easy right now. So we're going to wait on that software to get better. But I would just say, how about every six months, you know, put a little notice on your calendar and then every six months, just go in and switch it out. And this way, uh, worst case scenario, you know, if you do it every month, for instance, then someone would only have your history for the past month. And that could be very helpful for you uh, if you're online because, um, you know, you have the ability to be forgotten, right? Or at least not associated with something that uh, you have done in the past. So uh, that is a security best practice that you can do uh, right now. And for people who use Bitcoin, right, a, a lot of Bitcoin wallets actually just rotate that address by default using um, higher HD keys. Uh, it's what they're called, hierarchical deterministic keys. And so there are some things that do that already uh, for you in the space, but it's a very simple security principle. Just rotate out uh, your base information on a schedule. 
Yeah, that's very helpful. And then for people who are builders, developers out there listening, what are some best practices or any tips or advice you have for builders when they're building new dApps and things to build privacy into whatever they're building? So the best thing you can do is ask for less information. I mean, that's just one of the the beautiful things you can do. So the less information that your dApp can store, then uh, the more privacy you're giving to your users. It's also great for you as a developer to have to store less information. And that's one of the beautiful things about Web3, right? There's a lot of Web3 apps where they do not have a database at all, right? And that's actually pretty cool because you can just go to you know uniswap connect your wallet make some trades and leave and they don't have to know anything about you and that is the whole that's the whole idea between web3 is that the user is carrying their data around with them uh, and then the app doesn't have to have any of that data so as a developer best practice let's minimize the amount of data um, that we want to store about uh, the user because that'll help us out and then if you need to store information about the user please encrypt it please rotate your keys uh, also, please use standard <laughs> encryption libraries. Don't try to build your own. Try to build build your own for fun on the weekends for your own projects so you understand how it works. Uh, but do not use that in production. Uh, and that would be uh, what I would say. A couple other things for devs out there, um, just forecasting what's going to happen over the next three to five years. If you have not taken a look at ZK proofs, I would just say that they are extremely interesting uh, and cutting edge technology right now for privacy. And something that people may not realize about ZK proofs is they're also really good for data compression. So they have like, because they can compress data down, <laughs> like they have a lot of applications beyond just privacy. If you're interested in building privacy tech in the blockchain space, um, then I would say ZK proofs is a good area to start experimenting as a uh, developer on your nights and weekends. And are there any companies or projects, protocols that are working on privacy-related things already that people should go check out? Yeah, so um, there's a couple of big ones in the space. I mean, I have to give a shout out to Tornado Cash, uh, and they're on Ethereum, and they do a great job. There's also some base chains. Uh, Zcash is one. Uh, Zuko does a great job, and you should definitely subscribe to his blog or medium i forget which one it is fantastic work there monero is another one that we've had on this podcast before and then another one on ethereum i'll mention is actually umbra protocol because we interact with those guys and they're working on um, shielding your transactions with uh, rotating addresses for blockchain domains so those are just a couple that i think are interesting and there are a lot uh, and i know there are a lot that are still in stealth mode too that are specifically working on zk proof type tech and i think that's give it two years and i think we'll see a big cycle of that too Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Any final thoughts on privacy, Matt, before we wrap up? The future is bright for privacy. We've gone 30 years without uh, the tools that we needed to, to do privacy justice online. And it goes both ways. So it, before we just didn't have enough tools to make things really private or to make them really public, right? And now we have the tools to make things really private and really public. So it went from, we just had the option to share things or not share things. And now we have this much broader set of options all the way from, we could put governments on the blockchain, right? So you could see hundred percent of what they're doing to uh, everyone is using these like ZK rollups and ZK cash and Monero for transactions and you can't see anything. So huge, like, the, the spectrum has gone from you only have one choice to now you have like 100 choices on how to do privacy. And I think it's going to be a booming industry. EU has a lot of regulations around GDPR and privacy in general that's going to push the industry in this direction over the next five to 10 years. Uh, and the solutions are being built in blockchain. Amazing. 
Great note to end on. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, go tweet at Matt on Twitter at Matthew E. Gold, right? That's correct. Matthew E. Gold on Twitter. Go tweet at him and let him know your thoughts. And we will be back again soon with another episode of The Unstoppable Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you and thanks again for listening.